You're listening to One Good Take, the podcast that delves into the nitty-gritty of film development and distribution and explores the often elusive chemistry that brings the film to life. My next guest is Greg Corhan, an American film director, producer, and co-founder of Crossbow Studio. Greg began his career as an art director in Adland, where he got a thorough understanding of concise, simple storytelling that moves its intended audience. He later started to direct his own ads and short films before moving on to feature film projects. His teen family feature film, Project Day, premiered on Apple TV in 2021. Greg and I got together in the summer of 2022. Here's that take. Greg, hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be here. Good. And you're out in Nashville, right? In Nashville, Tennessee, exactly. Yeah. As, how long has that been home? Uh, I've been here uh, coming up on two years now. Um, before that, Philadelphia, New York, Los Angeles. I've been all over the place. Yeah, and you come from a, a place I'm familiar with, advertising. Did you get into that as a director or as a creative? As a creative. I started early. You know, I started my career because it was much safer than going into film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody told me it was. Yeah. I don't know. It, you know, we were going to change the world, but let's do it in advertising. So it was uh, Wild West days, like, you know. Were you on the copy side or the art direction? Art direction. I was an art director. And how soon did you move from that to wanting to direct commercials yourself? Well, as an art director, I, I, I was fortunate enough, the agency that, we, uh, that I started with, we had clients, regional, national, international. So I was working in every medium, you know, print, outdoor. Uh, it, was, it was really it was everything. Um, and then I kind of naturally fell into... Uh, production, loved working on commercials, right? So the the more production that we did, the happier I was. And it, it's, as you know, it's such a great medium because you're really forced right off the bat to tell tell a story. Tell that story in 30 seconds. Ready, go. You know, you have yeah. the whole arc has to happen in that short little time frame. So I really fell in love with it um, really fast because it was a, it was a really um, good training ground. And how long did it take you to move from directing occasionally while being an art director to directing full-time oh, as opposed to art director. Years. That was years. Yeah. I mean, I bounced around in, uh, in the agency world. I was, you know, I was on staff for a long time. And then my partner and I, who was a copywriter at the time, uh, we started moving around as a, like a pitch team. So we would come in and create the, you know, the original pitch win the account, whatever, and then hand it over to the in-house staff. And we were just moving from agency to agency. That was, that was a number of years of, of that. And then I, when I started my own company, I started my own company, my own production company, which it turned into a production company. It started more as a marketing company because that's what I knew, right? Like, hey, I could do this for my own clients. And uh, so I started doing, as you do as an entrepreneur, I didn't say no. I, you know, I, I started doing whatever came through the door, right? So... We, we worked on everything with the addition of, at that time, web work, right? Like, so we were doing not only print and, and uh, other forms of advertising and every other media, radio and whatnot, but we also started doing online and digital stuff. And as that agency grew, you know, we, we, we kind of went through the ups and the downs, right? We had a big old staff. We were, we were growing. Really? We yeah. some rough times around 2008 when uh, the rest of the economy kind of... T- yeah. 
And it yeah. just forced me to do some rethinking and kind of really, really sit with, well, what do I want to be spending my time on, right? Do you want to, do I really want to build a staff? And the answer was no, I really didn't want to build a staff. I, I, what I enjoyed most was producing these stories. And so I started refocusing on just video production and not only just video production, but the type of video production that we were doing. So we, we started working for nonprofit organizations because it, it just felt better to me than general advertising, right? Yeah, more of a human connection, right? Yeah, exactly. It felt better at the end of the day. It was going to be hard work no matter what. So, you know, direct, yeah, smaller budgets, I guess. Do but, I want to be, yeah. you, you know, saving the world somehow? So <laughs> yeah. trying to help people that were doing good in the world and that felt good at the end of the day. But it, it allowed me to really, um, it, allowed, it allowed me to, you know, make a living doing the work that I enjoyed doing, but it didn't really fulfill the creative side. So when that itch started happening, that's when I started really doing my own work on, as a side hustle because we had the gear, right? We were already doing it. We were already doing it with clients. Yeah. And were you writing your own short films at the time? Yes. Uh, you know, I actually got started. The, our, my first real serious short film was, was uh, because of my son, who was uh, decided in fifth grade that he wanted to be an actor. Yeah, I saw the short. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 in the woods, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so, we, you know, I, I, as what, rather than trying to talk him out of it, I tried to prove that it was going to be a boring uh, uh, lifestyle. Come I don't believe you. Know, you. <laughs> you loved it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's get on a set. And let's see how bored you are, right? As we're trying to set this thing up, and it, it, it totally backfired on me. He's um, he's now an actor, and he totally enjoys the process, right? But, um, yeah. So that's what really got us started in the short films. And when when we started making these films, and we started putting them in festivals, and they started winning, it was fun, and we got a great response from the audience, and so we just decided to keep going. That's interesting. It's pretty much how I started using my own kids for my first films. But you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a win-win, really. Uh, well, it was for for me. I'm sure it was for you. You get to do a good film, and and you have this learning experience for your kids. And absolutely, it's, uh, there's, there's it's amazing. I think I, I, that is one of the greatest joys for me is working with them. Right, working with the kids. Yeah, and they've been in they've yeah. been a part of every film in one form or another, uh, both my son and daughter. So. Uh, you know, just yeah, yeah. being being able to work with them, see them thrive as artists and creatives themselves, right? That they can find and follow their passion early on in life. It took me a long time to really, you know, I, mine was not a straight route to... <laughs> to so, yeah, g give us a little bit of a, a sketch on that early part of the journey. So some of these shorts, like, were you doing that for five or six years or longer before you got a longer... Project? Yeah, it took me overall, it took me 10 years to get my uh, feature yeah. off the ground. Um, we we're doing, you know, several shorts uh, sporadically in between. Each one would get a little bit larger, a little more aggressive or not aggressive, ambitious. That's the word. Yeah. Be a little more ambitious. <laughs> that word's overused, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So cool. we, uh, you know, each one would kind of stretch ourselves in some fashion, right? It didn't have to be a longer project. Sometimes it was a shorter project. One of, one of our best shorts was less than two minutes long. And, and the whole goal for putting it together was to figure out how much emotion could we jam into like two minutes or less. Yeah. Are you talking about the one where the, couple, the young couple are in the car and 
and she's waiting for him to pop the question, not not a you know big question, but just ask her out, yeah. and, and he can't bring himself to ask her, and it's just this painful moment, no dialogue, where these two people are really struggling to make this work, and she just sighs and walks off. But it's a nice ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the the yeah. feedback, you know, Nick, the, the feedback that we got from that film, and again, no dialogue, just yeah, just emotion, right? It's just the re that we just try to get to that real truth, that little tiny moment. We've got such great feedback from that film. Um, I mean, I've had other producers reach out and just go, "That's that was the best two minutes I've ever spent," right? Like they were just like really, yeah, really, really impressed. So I mean, that was and that was a lot of fun, right? That was just an exercise. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, now it's, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, length isn't always the the thing that works. As you said, you know, with commercials as well, you can get so much power into thirty seconds or two minutes if it's like you're short, you right? Know? Um, whereas something fifteen or twenty minutes can be quite blabby. So. Yeah. When, when was that short shot? That was, uh, ooh, that was 10 years ago. That was 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah, it was a, a it looks very 12, yeah. 2013, somewhere around there. Yeah. How did you evolve your style? What were your influences? Uh, I think um, most of my style is, is uh, that kind of feel good. Uh, you know, the, uh, I wouldn't say family, but, it, but it's, it's more of a feel good. It's that sort of era, yeah. YA, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think I, you know, maybe I'm just kind of stuck in the 80s. I, I got uh, uh, really all the John Hughes films, one right after another, right? Like here's a man that could, he was, he was so brilliant. He, even just, what, he only did six films. But, um, but still, they were just such power. And somewhere along the line, it locked in my head that the simplicity, when, it, when a kid is in, you know, 15 years old to 18 years old, right? The, the stuff that they're dealing with is so simple, but it's the world, right? Like it's tiny, tiny uh, problems, but they're, it's the world to them. And it's, so, I, it's just such a true and raw and um, uh, I don't know. I don't know about you, but... After a number of years, you sort of feel you've got your style, but every so often you look at certain directors to kind of remind you or to, to help you define things that you want to achieve. And, you know, I have a handful. We all have a handful. I just wonder who, you, who, who, were, who they were for you. Yeah, for me, well, like I said, John Hughes was one of them. Um, to be even kind of, I go back and I watch him just for, um, you know, just the, just the, the way he described interaction, right? Like the way people, even without dialogue, like we were just talking about, there's such a great, there's such, uh, there's, he had just such a great flair with that. Um, there is a certain um, visual piece of, uh, the, of Spielberg's work that I go to, like it's just, oh my gosh, that push in moment, right? Like <laughs> there's just some, there's just a visual style to that that I really, really love. And I, and I, and I go back to, um, but, but also, you know, on the, on the far side of that, Ridley Scott's visual style, you, you could freeze any frame in that entire, in any movie of his, and it's a painting, you know? Yeah. So there's, I, I would love to be able to get to that deal detail, but you know, I don't have that kind of budget, but, uh, it would be really, it would be really nice. And it's just a nice, it's kind of like going back to, to, uh, look at the masters in, in a museum or something. 
Yeah, yeah. It's partly choice of lenses, isn't it? I mean, obviously you have to have an eye for composition, but it, it is a, a choice of, you know, when you go in with the 85 and when you go in with the 35 and how, how long you stay on that wide. You know, it's, I, I find that a lot of directors go in on the close-up far too early, um, you know, when it's not really sufficiently emotive and yet they sort of think, oh, well, we need a close shot. And it's like, mm, really? Yeah. And, and it would, they would have done better staying on the on the wide shot or, or even the two shot. You know, it's, uh, you know I, it's these choices that are so key, aren't they? I, they, they really, really are. And that was a, um, I mean, part, I, you could see the growth of a filmmaker through that as well. Like you said, like maybe they're making the choice too early to get in. Some of it, though, is driven by just what they're what they have to deal with, right? I don't have the expense for a giant set. I got to get in tight yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. be yeah. only because I got no background, right? So there's there is a, a some of that is is choice. Some of it is forced. Um, but I learned a lot through doing um, uh, Project Payday, my first feature, just by working with the cinematographer and having those discussions like we don't need to go in we we could sit on this the entire shot like this this is right one small move to the left and we got the whole thing or you know whatever what the conversation was but we had several conversations about that like what kind of coverage do we need you know here i was thinking like oh my god we need tons of coverage because i'm going to edit this sucker and i don't want to be stuck right so you know, that, that was, that was always a concern in the back of my mind, but it was a great learning to sit there with, uh, my DP and, and kind of work it through, right? What's the, here? what's the emotion? What do we need to get out of it? And do we really need this? You know, what, what, what is that? What, what is that? What, what, what lens choice is the, uh, is the right one for this moment? Did you feel especially comfortable working with those two kids? For example, the one we were talking about in the car, forget the title, but you know, the, is he going to ask her out or is he not? That that one sitting in the car outside her house. And you mentioned that you'd worked early on with your son on a film. Did you find that you naturally have a rapport with kids and find it easy and kind of just a good way of communicating timing? Because that was so subtle, wasn't it? I mean, everything is about the, the nuance there. You know, it can't, one sort of shift, one way or the other would have spoiled it somehow. It, you got it so right. And, and to get those two kids to act so well together, um, something you must have enjoyed yeah, doing. I do. Uh, two things. One, um, yes, I really enjoy working with kids. Um, you know, and to me, pretty much anyone's a kid now. So it, it's... <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I've always, I've always just been drawing to, drawn to uh, just a, a younger generation. There's There's both in crew and in the actors. Um, people, I just find, you know, when you're young, you're a sponge, right? You're just kind of, you're eager to learn and grow and try new things and you're not set in your ways and you don't know everything yet. And it's just, it's, it's really, it's really to me quite refreshing. Um, even when I was younger, you know, the same, the same thing, but, um, working with, working with them, the real key was that I already knew that they had a chemistry. They're not, you know, not just, just a chemistry. Not a couple, but just, yeah, something on, on film. So, yeah. um, they were friends, the two, the two actors in, uh, in Give Me a Sign. They were friends. And I knew that 
I knew what they were capable of, right? And as you said, it's very, very subtle. So you really have to kind of work with talking it through and figuring out like, how do we get in the right headspace? Because you can't just say to an actor, okay, look down now. Okay, look like, right? You just can't call it out. Yeah, sure. Set the stage and let them, well, how would you feel if? And, you know, just how, how do you, how do you figure that out to, to really pull it out of the, of the actors? We had the same, same issue, not issue, the same, um, wonderful stage to, to play with in, um, in Project Payday, right? Cause we had three actors who were just brilliant. I mean, as you know, and like in a little ensemble for that, it, it, the whole film hinged on whether or not those kids work together well. Yeah. So that, Did you rehearse quite a lot before, you know, scheduling and all that? No, but we did a very extensive casting. So really tried to, we didn't have the luxury of tons of rehearsal time. So I really had to work with, you know, finding, right, finding the right mix, right? To find those, find those kids. And um, I, I, th- I think we're really, really lucky because they immediately took to playing off each other and the roles, right? As soon as we sat down together, it became apparent like, oh, this is going to work. You know, this is great. I'm excited because <laughs> it was a big risk, right? So Yeah, no, of course. And how did you get around to finding the finance for Ah, there's there's the big secret question. Yeah, uh, uh, that was the thing. We a long know. time coming. I mean, it was um, it was all uh, you know, inve- in equity investors, and so there's a lot of networking, a lot of rejection, a lot of you know conversations, and just kind of talking about it. You know, I I I talk to a lot of um, I coach a lot of filmmakers, younger filmmakers who are who or like, how the hell did you do this, right? Like, how did you get this to happen? Because it's the dream, right? It's the dream to kind of get, get your film off the ground. And one of the non-intuitive, right, you, things that you have to really work on is building that network and having those conversations. There's no secret room of investors someplace. <laughs> no, of course. Yeah. <laughs> just sit yeah. So you have to kind of talk to, you know, figure out, talk, expand your network, talk to people, figure out what really motivates them, right? Because it's film is not a great, it's not a safe investment, let's put it that way. So that was a lot of conversations, a lot of, um, uh, I learned a couple of big things in, in having those conversations within, with potential investors. The first was not to get attached to it, like not to get attached to the conversation. I, you know, when, when this kind of came out of my old advertising days, right? When you can sit in front of a, a boardroom and describe, you know, okay, the first froggy says to the second froggy, right? Like you're not, there's, there's, you're not attached to the idea of that thing, right? It doesn't matter really. You, you present your best case, they go for it. So, but all that went out the window. I totally forgot that when I, when I first started working, <laughs> trying to negotiate, you know, uh, you know, a, a group of, a group of folks that would like to fund the film. So I had to learn all over again that you just, you, you couldn't be attached to that. You, you go in, you present your best case. They're either going to get excited about it or they're not. And as, as long as you're not, um, so desperately attached to it. 
Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because so many people will say, oh, if they can't feel your passion, they're never going to invest in it. But you're, you're really almost saying the opposite of that in the sense that you're saying, no, you go and cool and let the thing sell itself. Otherwise, you'll just show you'll give off this sort of whiff of desperation, and it'll all sound very dodgy. It's a, it is. It's a really. It's a balancing act, and yeah. is you have to have the passion, right? You have to have. I, I really feel like there's several things that you have to have in place before you can even have that conversation, and you have to obviously have a project that you believe in and have the passion around it. But the conversation itself is not a oh please give me money. It's I've got this great thing you want to hop on board or not, right? It's, it's more of an opportunity that you're actually presenting than a plea for funding. And yeah. that's the, the, that's how you frame as it. As soon as you switch that, that plea off, because they can smell it, right? They can smell that, that, that desperation. As soon as you switch that off and it's more like, hey, I got something fun. You want to, you want to hop on? It's a different conversation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And when you refer to network, are you talking about people, uh, for example, who, with whom you worked when you were in advertising on that side of thing? You know, were they kind of corporate clients? Were they people who interacted with you on a professional level already? Or were they relative, they were kind of, you know, layer two or three in LinkedIn, you know, people you kind of may have had one or two conversations with, but really hadn't had any professional interaction with? So they predominantly came from a couple of places. One was people that I've, um, created a relationship with over time, right? You just kind of start to talk with them and you, you just find out what their, what they, what they, what their interest is and what they're, what they're really motivated by. Another group of people came from what I would call, um, brand building. So just by doing the work that I was doing with short films and going back to the same festivals and doing workshops in those festivals and really kind of having a consistency in the way that I showed up. Like when I say brand building, I'm not talking about logos, right? I'm talking about the way I am and the, the type of work and the consistency. What you stand for, yeah. Yeah, what I stand yeah. for, exactly. So, that, so what I did was presented my values in a way of in the, in the film and in the way that I showed up and the way that, you know, the way that I kind of presented myself when I was there to the point where people expected, right? They could, they knew when they saw my name, they knew what kind of work was going to show up. That in and of itself paved the way to have conversations. Right? When somebody's like, wow, I love that. And I could say, all right, great. You want to see more of that? Here's how to participate. Right? It's a completely different situation than you don't know me. Um, you know, but please trust that I'm going to do well with your million dollars. Right? <laughs> so you were building on connections you'd already made in the film and TV world or even advertising world, as opposed to, you know, you hear of some people who talk to their, I don't know, the dentist or yeah, some other investor or company guy, you know, um, who just likes to invest in film now and then it was, it was much more in a professional sphere, right? Um, about half and half, half of the. Uh, investor pool came from people that I just networked with through work, right? Through, through, I wouldn't say corporate, but through, through my work. Um, and half came from people that I networked with through films and film festivals. Hmm. And, and how did that sort of evolve? Was it mostly the people 
you knew quite well, which enabled you to leverage the the, the less well-known group and get them interested? Yeah, what was really most interesting, and here's a, here's a big secret. Every conversation I had didn't start with, hey, do you want to uh, invest in a film? It started with, what do you think about this? And just by, because everybody wants to give their opinion. Nobody wants to get, you know, nobody wants to put money, but everybody wants to give their opinion. So it was an easy conversation to have with people that say, hey, will you take a look at this and tell me what you think? And if they didn't invest, uh, a good, per, I, don't, I don't know exactly percentages because, you know, I talk to a lot of people. A good, per, a good percentage of them had somebody else to talk to. Like if, even if they didn't invest, they said, but you know who you should talk to? X, Y, Z. And that would lead to the next and that would lead to the next. And it was a, such a great, um, you just had to not be afraid to hear their opinion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but of, exactly. But it was a great yeah. way of uh, ha- opening the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And were you producing on your own or did you have another partner or even uh, two or three? This one I produced on my own. Um, I hired, you know, a line producer and to, to actually get stuff done. But I did all of the, all, I did all of the, um, you know, the executive producer stuff. And what did you do in terms of, I suppose, structuring deals and so on? Was your experience in advertising and and so on enough for you to, I suppose, go in there and, and set up contracts and schedules and so on for a feature i had um i did review everything with uh, with uh, a, an entertainment lawyer just to kind of set the stage but i after so many years of running my own business i felt totally comfortable with putting together contracts um and i also loathe uh, paperwork. Like my script. I tried to keep it as simple as possible and said, you know, yeah. the entire, um, you know, the, the entire investor pool was treated the same way. Um, it was a very simple, uh, you know, schedule. Uh, and I just tried to make it as attractive as possible, uh, for them. Once you got the film shot, I mean, were there any pre-sales talk of pre-sales or was it like just get it done and no. try and sell it to territory? Yeah, no, we, we, um, uh, it happened quite quickly, right? As soon as we got the first dollar in that would allow us to get going, we started planning. Um, and, and we had the thing fully funded about a month. Like it took, like I said, it took me 10 years to get the first dollar in really, if you measure it. But after that, within a month, we had, uh, all of our funding, uh, Within five months, we were shooting principal photography. Within 10 months, I had a trailer that I was taking to the American film market. And within 12 months, we had a, a distributor. So it took me a couple months after that to actually finish the film. Sold. But, um, but uh, yeah, it was, a, it was really a fast, it was a fast ride comparatively, right? Um, yeah. To... Were there any sort of scary moments along the way, you know, where money, people dropped out or actors got sick or any of those oh. typical disasters? <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting into the deep stuff. Yeah, there were, there were several things. You know, we, we lost uh, a couple of locations midstream, right? So we had to redirect. We, uh, a couple of key scenes that we were going to have that were 
like the, the, in the story, the kids go out on a boat. So like some of the water stuff was, oof, we had to redirect that going on. So, you know, we had some budget problems because of that. Those redirects, every time you do that, cost money. Um, we had uh, a couple of short scares when um, there's, there was a scene that we, there's a scene that we shot. I don't know if, you, if, if you've seen it or not, but it, it, uh, Project Payday, but there's a scene in the mall. They go to a mall, a big shopping mall. We had to close down a piece of this mall for, to shoot the thing. And um, through a mm, not so small miscommunication, we showed up for our call time. We got everything ready. We're ready to shoot. The mall doesn't open for another two hours. You can't have kids walking around with all of the storefronts caged and locked and whatever. So we like figure out how to shoot the scenes that didn't actually show the stores. And it ended up also, we had to cost us in, in post because we had to replace some storefronts and some signage because of that closings and things. And, and we still didn't get it done in the day. Like we, it just put us off. We had to go back, re-rent the place again for another, you know, some pickup shots. So that put us timing budget. Like that was like a a little bit of a nightmare. <laughs> at the <time>. Yeah, uh. <laughs> a little bit of angst going on there. But but uh, overall, it really added to the film. Like there was a scale to it now. Suddenly, and when they had this, we're walking through this big set piece. Yeah. No, good. Yeah. And so where is it now in terms of uh, sales? So it premiered on uh, Apple TV and it's now on uh, Prime, uh, Amazon Prime and a bunch of other places as well. So Good, good. And what's your next project lined up or if not a couple? Got a couple uh, lined up, our next project. Our next, uh, I'm working on another short. We're going back to another short uh, to help... Um, an actor kind of uses a calling card, really, you know, to help her kind of show off her best, uh, her best self. We got that coming up, uh, which is fun. Uh, I have another uh, feature that I uh, am shopping around. Uh, it's more of a romantic comedy than it is a teen family, but it's got a, a kind of a kind of a fun, uh, fun premise and a good theme, good underlying theme. It's not just silliness. Um, and then a, uh, I'm working on a, a, a limited series as well. That's early, early days on that one. That's in development. As a writer. Yeah. Yeah, the exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you go about that? Will you sort of write the pilot and then flesh out the next two or three episodes as synopses and sort of pitch it around to showrunners? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, that's what it's going to be. We're going to write, write, finish writing the pilot and the first, first, first episode will be done uh, before we take it out um, and start some conversations to see who's most interested. I mean, that's new ground for me. I have really, you know, I've never worked on a series like that. Um, but, it's, but it's exciting because obviously if you nail it right, it's good bingeable content and people eat it. Yeah. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's always really, really good. But you, you bring up a good point because I don't write everything you know, Project Payday was not, I didn't, I didn't write it. Uh, we optioned that from a young adult novel. Yeah. 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 So are you co-writing the TV series or are you, is it sort of like your concept and you're getting a writer? I did it off the ground. Um, the, uh, I'm co-writing the, uh, short 
and I am uh, the the other feature is being um, the romantic comedy. That was already a a script, um, and the writer actually originally found me. Again, uh, it goes back to that brand building. Um, okay, how did the writer find you? The, uh, just through the festival thing. They just kind of reached out and said, "Hey, what are you working on?" Right. And said, "I don't know. What do you got?" And we had started having a conversation. Right, and something kind of dropped out of that, which was really nice. And so he's been great to, he's been great to work with, but I really enjoy it's working with a writer. Like when you, as a filmmaker, when you get started and you start doing your own shorts, you are, you're pretty much everything, right? You're the writer, you're the director, you're the producer, you're, you know, all that stuff. Um, but when, when you start bringing in the team and they're all kind of passionate about it, there's, there's a, um, I mean, uh, of course it's better. They're better at it than you are, right? They, they, that's all they do is write. <laughs> you're not, you're not a hyphen it. They're, they're better at it. So that's, that's really wonderful. But, but it's also to me, just, an, it's, it's just another chance to grow, right? You don't, it goes back. To- yeah. It's bringing in stuff that you wouldn't have thought of right. on a really basic level. And it brings an energy that you can't always generate on your own. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And no matter which direction you think it's going to be, when all of a sudden they produce this thing, or, or it could be as simple as a line of dialogue, or it could be as dramatic as, wait a minute, what if they did this, right? And suddenly you're like, I didn't think of that. What if? You know, let's explore that. And it's, it's just another, a whole other piece of the creative process, which is just a blast if you can get out of your own way, right? Like if you can get out of your own way, then it's, then it's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, the COVID 2020 to 2022, uh, we're still in it, aren't we, to a degree. Uh, but those, those couple of years were really quite painful for everyone, especially in, in the land of film and theatre and so on. But I think one of the good things that's come out of it is remote working. It's become more acceptable. And perhaps that also helps you, given that you're based in Nashville. And there's always, well, for a long time, there's been this kind of thing. If you're not in LA, you're, you're not in the business. And I think that's beginning to change quite rapidly in fact i believe that i, yeah. I believe yeah. that firmly and and i always have it's just um you know i lived in la for 11 years and i never had anything to do with the film industry while i was there it, was, it wasn't until i was outside of it that i was like wait a minute i would like to do this but i don't it's not like i want to become part of that machine i like the fact that you can work remotely and that you have things today the ability to reach out like, you know, like you and I, we're like, you know, you're totally on the other side of the world and we're, and we're having a great, and a, and a, and a you know. Yeah. And, and it shouldn't matter. And it should actually make the project richer because you're using people in yes. different parts of the world. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I t- yeah, you know, yeah. And, and because I came out of marketing, I'm always got my hat on of like, Hey, how can we do this? How can we reach the audience? ourselves, right? Like how can we, um, what, you know, what do they want to see? How can we reach them? What's a better way of involving them and not going through the Hollywood system? It's just partially as an exercise, but I just believe that we have the tools to do it. Right. So, um, it's both a wonderful thing. Well, being locked inside is not the wonderful thing, but the wonderful thing is what it allowed us to see. Yeah, that, that part of the remote working is, is not so great, but um, yeah, I think you just have to look at the positives that come out of it, you know. 
So, I, for me yeah. at the time when COVID first hit, it didn't matter to me one tiny bit because I was in post on Project Payday. So I, like, I was locked inside anyway. Yeah, sure. Oh, good. Yeah. Cool. Now I have an excuse not to go out, right? I can just keep working. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah, exactly. was just a, a timing, a, a fortunate timing issue. I think most of the film people I know who were doing quite a lot of work during that, well, certainly 2020, uh, were actually in post, you know, and, and any of us trying to get films off the ground were struggling uh, somewhat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think the biggest uh, downside of the fact that we can work so remotely is that it, it's re- it is really harder to network alone, right? The inertia of getting out behind your laptop screen. Yeah, there is, yeah, there is that, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, it can be insidious, can't it? Yeah. 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 You can feed on itself, like, oh, that's totally. even worse. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. You have to set yourself tasks, I think. That's the only way around it. I mean, in an age where you can kind of go, I don't even have to go to the grocery store. I could just order that, you know. Yeah. Get out of my- yeah, you can really just sit at home and <laughs> just press buttons, you know. <laughs> yeah. But you're not really going to collaborate on a, you know, on a job. No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you do a bit of teaching, don't you? And I mean, I, I went up to one of your websites where you talk about these various principles of creating your own compelling brand and uh, you know, it's taking responsibility for building your own audience. Do you kind of lecture at all or, or is it just, I know you've written a book on this kind of thing. Yeah, do you uh, do podcasts? Yeah, I do. I enjoy teaching and I enjoy, I, I coach a lot of filmmakers and, uh, and actors as well on, uh, on their careers. And um, I enjoy it. So I've been trying to do that. People can go to the website even now and kind of read about, um, uh, my theory, if it, if it, if it, uh, if it, you know, gets them excited, then they're the right, they're the right mindset. But, um, I really do believe, like I was saying that we have not only the ability, but the responsibility to, to reach our audience, right? It's kind of like as a storyteller, it's not a story if it's just in a vacuum someplace. So we can do it. Why not reach out and find the right audience for that? Um, so yeah, I, I try to apply all the principles that I've learned in marketing to building your own audience, building your own fan base, reaching them, nurturing that list so you can get these raving fans. You can build a sustainable business as a creative artist. Why not? As for networking, where do you like to hang out socially, if you like? You know, I obviously mean virtually, as in, you know, yeah, Instagram, I'm a... I'm a- Facebook. I'm an introvert. So I, <laughs> it is. A, you don't seem it. But anyway. <laughs> it is an effort to, you know, to get out and, and, and go around. But, but I'd like to, um, I like to surround myself with other people who are in the same, not necessarily the same place, but the same mindset. Right. So people who are, uh, you know, actively trying to build something. They're really, you know, if, if all you want to do is get hired and be, um, you know, I just want to work on set someplace or whatever, like you know, there are jobs, right? That's, that, that's not what I do and not where I, where I go, but I like to find people who are, want to build something more. Um, and, 
it, so I, does that mean when you say that uh, does that mean you're looking for other projects you can get involved in perhaps as an ep or even just as a kind of consultant uh because you find that a more mean, meaningful process whereby you can actually get involved in a project that is evolving as opposed to say let's chat on linkedin and you know stay in touch and what are you doing and what am i doing and do you know what I mean? It's this kind of different approach, isn't it? That kind of reaching out to people and saying, hey, this is me. And then there's another approach which is more kind of targeted in the sense that you perhaps you do less of the diffuse networking and more targeted networking through a project. You might only be peripherally involved, but yeah, yeah. it's kind of more meaningful because you're actually producing have something. To- I don't have to have ownership, right? I get great joy when somebody comes to me and says, hey, I got this thing and I can give them, you know, it could be a, a small small bit of coaching to get unstuck. It could be a, uh, a larger play to, you know, to try to figure out, okay, let, let's, how can we work together to move this thing forward? But there's, there's great joy in helping people achieve their creative goals. There's nothing better than seeing a light bulb go on, right? With somebody else and them getting excited about, you know, about whatever that, whatever it is that we're creating today that didn't exist yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And in between these longer projects, which don't, aren't necessarily bringing in income, are you still churning out the, the marketing side of stuff? Uh, are you consulting? Or yeah. A bit, a bit of I'm working with other content creators and things just to, you know, the, that's the other big learning with <laughs> with the film <laughs> the, the cash flow is not fast yeah it's, yeah no. uh, <laughs> yes so yes, way of building and that's a, that's another reason why um i encourage artists to kind of build their own list right to build their own audience because that's the way to kind of evening out that cash flow right if they can be producing for a smaller subset of people on a regular basis, you can keep you can keep a living going, right? You, you can build you build build something for the long term, and any of the work that you do—that's the beauty of it. Any of the work that you do um, to connect with your people, like you're saying, you're not—it's not a broad-based approach. It's a very targeted approach. You're, you're you you are just getting in touch with other people who value the same thing that you value, and when those people glue, come together, it just builds. It's cumulative. So project A, maybe you got 10 people that back it. Project B, you got those 10 people plus the next 10 people, right? It's, it's cumulative. Pretty soon you got 1,000 people, 10,000 people, 50,000 people, right? And they're all kind of all on your side. It's an amazing feeling. Yeah. Last question, really. Uh, and it's just back to the personal. You mentioned just before we started here that your daughter's in music and I believe you were helping her with a music video. Yeah, yeah. Um, Talk to me about that process. Singer-songwriter, as well as a a film. uh, She's in film production as well. So she does a lot of uh, production of uh, uh, music videos and commercials here in Nashville. And uh, she's a prolific writer. So every so often... Country, I guess. (laughs) Being in Nashville. (laughs) Country? Yeah. Country music? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, oh, okay. She really isn't country. Um, she's kind of a, a different style, more of a. Um, oh, I'm trying to trying to think of an artist that would that would make sense. Um, well, she's got a very she's got a very soulful style, 
And, uh, but uh, I mean, there's some, some of her songs sound a little country, but most of them don't. And, uh, and so we were shooting, we were just shooting a, a, a video for her latest release. It sh- should be out soon. It's a great, it's a great song. Great. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll have to paste it in the notes much, when it comes out. Your daughter, she's got, there's a, there's a very theme going through her songs, right? There's a voice. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Do you help with her lyrics and sort of issues that she wants to sing about or, or is she very resistant to all that? She's going to like stay off that day. It's my, <laughs> yeah. My pet. Uh, she is her own person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I'm not going to give her that okay. kind of direct. Strong will. There, yeah. there are other places. I can help her as a dad in other places. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. That no, makes sense. Well, Craig, thanks so much for talking to me. It's been good. Thanks a lot. Oh, it's been a blast. It, it, it's, it's been a real it's a good time. Good. Thanks, Craig. Greg Corhan. Thanks for listening. And if you are a regular here and enjoy the podcast, do please subscribe. Take care.